Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, a little fantasy football in 15 edition on this Friday, September 17th. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here with you. The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, of course, presented to you by Visa, a network working for everyone. DVR on this episode. Every Friday, we talk DFS and week two, a fun one. Uh, how you doing going into this week two weekend? Doing great. I think we have got a lot of matchups that are going to reveal a lot about some of our week one surprises are some of the teams that struggled actually as bad as we thought. I think generally we're going to find out they're not. Uh, but then there's a team like the Eagles. Like, how yeah. good are the Eagles really and how bad are the Falcons? Like, those are the two questions I have looking at their matchups in week two. So those two games in particular really kind of jump out to me. Eagles jump out at us as well because they are one of the games with the five top totals on the board. Of course, we are looking just at the DFS main slate, so we are not including Chiefs-Ravens on uh, Sunday night or Packers-Lions on Monday night. Looking at the main slate, the 1 p.m. and 425-405 Eastern kickoff. So the top five totals that we have for this week, DVR, where we always focus on our fantasy resources at the top Cowboys and Chargers that one is sitting at 55 Titans and Seahawks at 54 Falcons and Bucks at 52 Vikings Cardinals 50 and a half and then we do find those Philadelphia Eagles hosting the San Francisco 49ers that game at 49 among those five games I mean is it too easy to say that Cowboys and Chargers is the one that not only jumps out but one that you feel you have to get at least some piece of well, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the type of contest you're playing. I think from a cash game build, you have to have some exposure to that game for sure. If you're going to play in a big field GPP, maybe you can go really thin with maybe one player or a combination of one and one. Uh, but I, I think you got to look at the rest of these uh, high scoring games and, and make sure you're not missing the opportunity yeah. to get a ton of leverage because like Vikings Cardinals might come in with lower roster ship numbers than it should because of the popularity of Cowboys Chargers. Like that mm-hmm. game absolutely deserves to be a popular game. I just think you have to be really careful about it based on what types of format you're playing. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And really, I mean, all these games could ultimately get overlooked. The one that would scare me, I guess, would be Falcons and Bucks. 
if only because uh, after what we saw from the Falcons in week one, I'm not sure they can hold up their end of the bargain of this 52. We know how good Tampa's defense is. And if Tampa gets up, I don't know, let's say Tampa's up DVR like 20 to three in the second quarter. Is the foot really going to be on the gas for them in the second half? That's the one that I feel like if you wanted to fade one, it feels the most fadeable. To me, it's even more fadeable than Niners and Eagles here out of these five. And obviously you're probably not going to have exposure to all five of these games. That's just not how DFS builds work. But if I was writing one off, right, if I was just trying to easily simplify my process and cross one of these off and say, I'm not even going to think about it. I think that's the one that I look to first. Yeah. I mean, you could see the Bucks scoring a defensive touchdown. You could see the running backs getting involved. And maybe it's not as much of a, a massive day for Tom Brady as you're hoping for, right? Because of the blowout nature of the game. I think the Bucks are the kind of team that will keep scoring. I think they're going to carry that sort of mentality all the time, but the ways they do it might not be ideal for our purposes. So I'm with you. I think of these five games that have those higher totals, that's the one that I'm probably the least interested in, more likely to have a combination of two players at most from that game in my builds. Is there any other game that's not included here that is one that you want to get exposure to in a, like a meaningful way? Uh, maybe you like maybe you like Najee Harris, for example, and I do think there's a lot of reason to like Najee Harris this week against the Raiders. It's a short week for them. They played an overtime game. Now they're going across the country to play a 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Like A lot of reason to like Najee Harris, but not as just a one-off play, right? I'm not sure I'm running that back with anyone from Vegas. Is there a game that jumps out at you that's not among these five where maybe you like two-plus guys? Yeah, I still think the Carolina and New Orleans matchup is appealing to me. I mean, I think that's an offense in Carolina. Christian McCaffrey every single week is on my mind in DFS. Anytime he's on the main (laughs) slate, I just think, how can I get Christian McCaffrey in my lineup? That's step one. And then I kind of figure everything out from there. The weird thing about that game is it's not generally a good idea to have a running back, running back combo from opposite sides of a game. But because McCaffrey and Kamara have such significant roles in the passing game on their respective teams. I think you could do that. It'd be a pretty unique build. And I think what we're going to see for the most part are a lot of mid-range lineups because of the way the players in the Cowboys-Chargers matchup are priced. Because of the prices on guys like Mike Evans, we're going to have a lot of 6 and 7K players at the top of lineups and then a lot of like 4K players rounding it out. So if you go a little more stars and scrubs, if you push more aggressively toward the top of the pool and you can find some you know, sub 4K plays to sneak in, you might actually have a path to unlock McCaffrey and Kamara and have a build that's somewhat unique. It's just a rare situation where I might actually be comfortable having running backs on opposite side of a matchup because of how they're used. Well, let's use that to transition into areas that we do actually want to spend. And I think that Christian McCaffrey is a great spot to spend. He always is, right? But uh, this week, going up against the Saints, he's sitting at 9,900 on DraftKings. And this is something I talked about on uh, today's episode of Best on the Board, today being Friday. Be sure to check out Best on the Board, our uh, thrice-weekly gambling show. Always get a Montgomery Burns reference in when you can. That's sort of a podcast rule that I live by. Um, thrice-weekly gambling show, Monday, Thursday, and Friday, talking NFL and college football. And on today's episode, I talked about Christian McCaffrey going over his 113 and a half total yardage mark. This is a number that he's gone north of DVR. 24 of 36 games d- dating back to the start of the 2018 season. He was not the feature back for this team in his 2017 rookie year. That was Jonathan Stewart. Cam Newton had more carries than him. So you're talking about from the moment he's taken over as the primary runner, he's hit 113 and a half over total yards 
66% of the time. And then five, five of the 12 that he came short DVR were in the first half of that 2018 season when he was probably still getting acclimated to carrying such a heavy workload in the NFL. So it's about as bankable as it gets. And 9900 you know, obviously it's a very high price, but he is a guy who routinely pays off that value. So if I was looking for one player to build around this week, I think I'm comfortable making it the most exp- expensive player, excuse me, on the board. Yeah, and just to be clear, I have not had a build that I've liked yet with both of those players in it. So mm-hmm. more likely it is, you know, one and not the other. Marquez Callaway would satisfy the save some money at receiver and, you know, run it back with a pass catcher. I think after his matchup against Jair Alexander in week one, people are a little bit down on him, but he's yep. still really affordable. So I think that's the type of correlation that you're more likely to be able to fit in because it's going to give you a lot more exposure to those other games that we're all excited about. Where else are you looking to spend besides McCaffrey? Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey's definitely up there. I think Mike Evans is uh, the guy that I'm really excited about. I mean, I think my wide receiver one spot is the the area where I'm most comfortable spending a, a little more this mm-hmm. week. Uh, and I think by a little more, I just mean instead of going three cheap receivers like last week, I want to have at least one upper level guy. And right around that 6K mark, you can find a few different names. I think Mike Evans, after being quiet in week one, he could bounce back in a big way. I think if, if the Bucks get a couple scores early, they could both go to Evans. That's entirely possible. Yeah. I don't think the game script has to shoot out for Mike Evans to be a good value at that price. Um, DJ Moore would be another way to go. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't want to play McCaffrey for some reason, you want to play Kamara instead, you could run it back with DJ Moore, and DJ Moore could be a great wide receiver one. I think the way he has settled in to that offense over the last year and change now gives me a lot of confidence about his floor week to week. We saw eight targets, six catches for 80 yards from him in the opener. I love DJ Moore this week too. Um, So I think there's a lot of different ways you can kind of mix and match in that price range. Again, probably only one from that group. Cooper Cup 6K, certainly not bad. I think the Rams might get a little bit overlooked because they weren't among uh, the teams in that top five game group. Mm -hmm. But are you thinking twice about the Rams offense at this point (laughs) to what they showed us on Sunday night against the Bears? Like the Colts, I don't think they're a bad defense at all. I just think the Rams are a legitimately good offense. They're going to give all sorts of teams fits this year. Yeah, I am not thinking twice about the Rams' offense at all, and I think this is a really nice spot for them. First of all, you maybe don't have Darius Leonard in this game. You maybe don't have Xavier Rhodes in this game for the Colts. Darius Leonard is looking, as you and I are sitting here Friday afternoon, uh, pre-injury reports, it's looking like he's more unlikely than likely to play. And of course, uh, wait, maybe two hours from now, that certainly could change. But as we're talking about it right now, it seems unlikely. And you just look at what Seattle did to this team a week ago. We had a couple of big plays to Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf got in the end zone. Chris Carson went for his, 16 for 91. The typical sort of Chris Carson line also had, I think, four catches for 18 yards in that game. So it's just like every single guy in Seattle, Russell Wilson, of course, also checked the box that you expect him to check. And I I think about Sean McVay looking at that game and seeing the big plays they hit and being comfortable with his defense being to control a really conservative by design Indianapolis offense. And I just think, like, why is Indy's defense not going to see something very similar happen to it against the Rams this week. So I do like a lot of those Rams coming back. I think there's arguments for Stafford, Cup, Woods, Van Jefferson on the cheap, Daryl Henderson. I think there are a lot of ways, and then Tyler Higby as well. Like, there's a lot of good ways to get invested in the Rams, and I'm with you on a game where, you know, maybe it gets overlooked because it's not one of the big totals, but couldn't they do exactly what they did to the Bears? Couldn't they win 34-14? Could they win 31 to 20? I mean, couldn't the, this game still be a low-ish scoring game and go under the mark that it's at, but the Rams still put up four touchdowns? 
Yeah, it absolutely could play out that way. And I think the appeal here, even if you don't feel that great about the Colts offense, there are some underpriced pass catchers still. Zach Pascal coming off the huge week one and Michael Pittman Jr. at 4,400 and 4,300 respectively. Mm-hmm. If you're playing a few Rams, getting one of those guys in your lineup is very easy. And hopefully you can catch a TD kind of coming back the other way. It might be in garbage time, but hey, they all count the same. Let me tell you who's an underrated pass catcher, an undervalued pass catcher potentially on the Colts. It's Jonathan Taylor. I mean, 7,200 maybe uh, uh Unfair to call him undervalued, underpriced at. I guess that's a fair price for him. But this guy had seven targets last week. He caught six of them for 60 yards. And DVR, I went back and watched because this is another one I'm on, another prop I'm on that I've talked about on Best on the Board. 15 and a half at receiving yards is Jonathan Taylor's uh, prop for this week. And I just love the over there. Of those seven targets, five of them came when the game was still in doubt, first three quarters. It's not like these were dump-offs with the Seahawks sitting back in some conservative defense. Three of those were screens. The other two were pass routes, not pass blocking, and then he leaks out and once dumps it to him. He's an important part of their passing game, and so is Naeem Hines. 15 targets between those two guys, and they have to be. With what the with the way that offense is built, You know, as much as we like Michael Pittman, he's not an alpha receiver. T.Y. Hilton, he's out. Zach Pascal's the wide receiver three. Paris Campbell just can't get right. No one really scares you in the tight end group. Those running backs in Indy have to be big weapons for them in the passing game. And so I look at Jonathan Taylor as someone who we can really get invested in this week too. I also think when we look down to Ezekiel Elliott at 6,200, it feels like that's the first player you have to decide on this week. Are you in or are you out on Zeke? I think I'm in because I... I'm pretty interested in combining Herbert and Keenan Allen in my cash builds. And you obviously do not have to play Ezekiel Elliott as the run back. You can go to one of the receivers. You can throw CeeDee Lamb in there. You can throw Amari Cooper in there. There's there's no guarantee that you have to play Elliott here. But that was a tough matchup in week one. And I know that there are some signs that there's legitimate erosion in his skill set like he's not the Zeke we saw a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. but this is an explosive offense they're going to score plenty of points we're talking about a TD and volume dependent game and I think Zeke's going to be in a position to get 20 plus touches again pretty easily Mm -hmm. it's easier sledding against San Diego than it would have been last week against Tampa Bay Uh, so I'm in on Zeke at the price especially in cash games I think it's tournaments where I'm more inclined to pivot and go to someone else in that range all right, who are we looking at as maybe cheaper plays? Who are we looking at? Where, we're, where are we going to save? If we're going to get uh, Alvin Kamara at 8,800, if we're going to get Christian McCaffrey at 9,900, who are we going to round out this lineup with that's going to find us the savings while also giving us plenty of, I mean, I guess you're looking for ceiling, but you also like some floor out of those cheap guys as well. Yeah, so if you're playing Kamara and you don't want Callaway in the same lineup, I would say Emmanuel Sanders at 4K is really interesting to me. Sure. Uh, Joe Buscalia was on the show with us earlier this week. Got a, got me really excited about Emmanuel Sanders. I picked him up in a bunch of season-long leagues where he's available. I think he's more likely to be the number two behind Diggs than Cole Beasley is. I know Beasley had more targets in week one, but Sanders is a more dynamic player. I think there's more... There is more ceiling there, even though there's a good floor from Mm -hmm. him. So 4K seems like a nice price. And I think, you know, Buffalo-Miami, if you're looking at games that are sort of close to being in that top five, it's not that far behind San Francisco and Philadelphia in terms of the implied totals. So Sanders gets a little bump for me this week. I think going a little cheap with the second and third receivers is absolutely possible. And he's one that really has kind of caught my eye. I think if you're going to spend up as much as I want to spend up at running back, you also have to save money at tight end. So Noah Fant, eight targets last week, Mm -hmm. a great matchup against the Jags. You know, 4200 this week is a great price. So he's offering some savings at the position. You don't have to go all the way up to the top this way. And maybe he gets a slightly larger target share 
with the Jerry Judy injury. You know, we talked about KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick probably having significantly increased roles, but even if a couple extra targets go Noah Fant's way, suddenly we could be looking at a guy that's getting nine or ten targets per game. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is at least, as we saw good uh, last season, good enough to prop up some of the pass catchers in a competent offense. I think that's exactly what Denver appears to be right now. I mean, look at what he did last year. Even with just the 15 touchdown passes he had last year, 15, we still saw three top 25 receivers in Carolina with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel. And Curtis Samuel needed what he did on the ground to get into that top 25. But the point remains that Teddy Bridgewater can prop up two or three pass catchers who are weekly starters week in and week out. With the Jerry Judy injury, you would expect Noah Fant. I would expect Noah Fant. I'm not going to put words in anyone's mouth, but I would expect Noah Fant to be the second most consistent guy. Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, you could argue that one of them has a higher ceiling depending on matchup or whatever the case might be, but I think there's going to be a level of consistency from Fant that is only equaled or surpassed in Denver's passing game by Cortland Sutton. So I like that at 4200 and I wouldn't be surprised to see his price creep up. He has to prove it first, of course, so I understand why it's just down at 4200 right now for this week, but I think ultimately he has the ability to prove it and start being more of a 46, 4700 sort of tight end. Another guy who I look at at that position, DVR, if we're trying to save, and again, this is a great spot to save because you know we don't have Travis Kelsey on this main slate. We do have Darren Waller, but no Kelsey on this one. So maybe you feel like you can fade this position a little bit more this week. How about Cole Komet? He's down at 3,700, and Cole Komet last week, I think we learned two important things about Cole Komet in week one. Number one, without question, the go-to tight end in the Bears offense. There is no doubt about that. He played 51 snaps for the Bears last week. Jimmy Graham played 14, and Jimmy Graham's snaps were all Red zone snaps. They uh, still want to use him, and he still can be a good weapon for the Bears when they are in near the uh, goal line, but he is not a guy who they're going to trot out in the middle of the field in between the 20s anymore. That is all Cole Komet. And then the number two thing we learned about him is that I think the Bears look at him as their third downfield weapon behind Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. Got seven targets, caught five of them for 42 yards. He's going to be a consistent presence in the Chicago offense for the entire season. So I think getting him at 3,700 against a Cincinnati defense that certainly shouldn't scare you uh, is one that uh, a spot where I think the savings could uh, ultimately help you spend up a little bit elsewhere and it won't feel like you're settling for you know a min, whatever I get, I get sort of player the tight end position yeah i think Komet is a really nice play i would expect him to be in the mid 4000s in the near future because of usage i, I would agree with you darnell mooney nice player but is he a clear-cut number two behind Allen robinson absolutely not cole Komet could emerge to be that guy over the course of the season yeah there's a, a lot to like there and a, a guy who we've been looking at in season-long leagues as well um are we thinking uh, let's go back to that chargers and cowboys game and let's assume that we do want to find some exposure to it which i think we do is your favorite place to do it in the passing game you mentioned that you're looking for a lot of justin herbert you're looking for some deck is the passing game on the chargers side more attractive to you than austin eckler yeah, I mean, if you said you can only play one player from this game, I think Keenan Allen on DraftKings is the guy yeah. I'm playing at 7K because it's full PPR and I'd have to break my rules, spend a little more at wide receiver than I was planning and then spend a little less at running back. But I think that's perfectly fine because of the role he has in this offense. I'm wondering, how much do you believe in the usage of Mike Williams coming off the opener? Because he's yeah. up to 6,100 in price. We saw the inconsistency on full display last year, but... 
eight catches for 82 yards on 12 targets. If you're a Mike mm-hmm. Williams truther, you are <laughs> as high as a kite right now going into week two. Yeah, I think uh, I, don't, I don't think Brandon Funston has stopped uh, stopped flying above the uh, Seattle metro area <laughs> after everything uh, that he has been through over the years with Mike Williams and the week one performance that he put up. I'm in. I mean, you know, I think I, what what why I'm in DVR mostly, and this is not meant to sound like a knock on Mike Williams, although I think it only can sound like that, is because of Justin Herbert. I mean, I think after what he did last year and what he did last week, uh, I think we should be thinking about Justin Herbert as one of those very high-floor competent quarterbacks, a guy who is always going to go into every game with an exceedingly high floor and then a ceiling to be the QB1 every single week, and a, a floor to the point where you would be surprised if he weren't a top-10 quarterback. And there's a select group of guys who we expect to be at least top-10 and have a QB1 ceiling every Every single week, Justin Herbert is in there. And so if you look at that and you look at what this team is doing offensively with Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator, it it sure does feel as though Mike Williams is taking on a much larger role in an offense that's better built for him than we've ever seen at any point in his career. So I buy Mike Williams. I like Mike Williams in this spot, and I like Mike Williams for the remainder of the season. I think he's another one of those guys, right? I mean, you talked about right off the top of the show, that 6000 that 58 to $6,200 range, 6000 with a couple hundred bucks of wiggle room on either side. He's another one of those guys in that range that helps you build out a competitive and not super expensive wide receiver group in week two. Yeah, and I think the reason you're going to see such balanced lineups this week is the way the running backs come together. It's not just Zeke at 6,200. It's Chris Carson at 6,100 in the second highest over-under total. A close game, a projected close game between Mm -hmm. Seattle and Tennessee. Plenty of work for Chris Carson. It's a great price on him. Najee Harris is going to be, I think, very popular this oh, week, yeah. and for good reason. David Montgomery is in that price range as well. You mentioned Daryl Henderson a little earlier. He's down at 5,700, so I would say kind of at the bottom end of that tier. I think a lot of people are going to choose two backs from that group, but if you could only choose one, who do you go with? I'd probably go with Najee Harris for the reasons that I hinted at a little earlier. Uh, a great win for the Raiders in week one, right? But that was Monday night. Overtime game, very tough game, very physical game against the Ravens. And now they play on a short week where they are going from Pacific time zone to Eastern time zone, kicking off at 1 p.m. Eastern against another very tough defense in Pittsburgh. Those are two physical teams to play right off the jump. And so I think that it's a game where Pittsburgh could, I don't expect Pittsburgh to blow the doors off of the Raiders, but a game that Pittsburgh could control. And if that's the case, Najee Harris is going to get all the work he can handle. And he played every single snap for this team last week. So I, I think Najee Harris is my favorite of that group, but I do agree with you that you could argue Montgomery, you could argue Chris Carson. There's a lot of guys to like in that low 6,000 group, and it doesn't feel too hard to pair one of them with McCaffrey or with uh, with uh, Alvin Kamara. You can pretty easily get one of those really expensive guys and then one of those low 6,000 guys and feel pretty good about where your lineup is headed. I agree with that. Do you think it's weird that we spent most of the week from a season-long perspective talking about Elijah Mitchell <laughs> and how good or how, how frustrating he's going to be and We've gone about 20 minutes on this show, and his name hasn't come up at all. He's 5K on DraftKings. I mean, we know the downside. He gets mm-hmm. Shanahan and gets like eight carries, and Trey Sermon gets a bunch, and, and Hasty gets some, and it's just a, a three-headed monster, right? But are you interested at all in, in building a lineup with Mitchell in it? 
he's the easiest fade of the week for me, to be honest. I mean, just the absolute easiest because he, I, like, he's going to be popular, isn't he? With all the talk that there's been surrounding him, he's going to be popular. And I just don't want a popular guy who has such obvious downsides, even though he's down at 5,000. I mean, we can play around with this and, and throw him into our lineup and throw Christian McCaffrey in there. And obviously there's still plenty of stuff you can do with Elijah Mitchell coming in at 5K for you. But I don't know, DDR. Like, this is just, I, I think we're really tempting fate here. I don't think we're uh, acknowledging the downside potential enough for him. I don't think we are acknowledging the fact that this was a very soft lines defense that he was playing a week ago. I think it was a, a situation from the jump where San Francisco was in control, and that's not necessarily going to be the case against the Eagles. Like, that was a perfect scenario to fall into. And so he's an easy, easy fade for me in week two. Where are you on him? I'm probably not going to play him just because of the way the builds come together, but mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to see if he ends up being a good value. And I think the way this is going to play out, I'm looking at the the Roto Grinders projected roster rates right now. The yeah. running back position, it's a little early in the week to have like a, a clear, clear read on what people are likely to do, but there are 10 running backs they have projected to be more heavily rostered than Mitchell this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I think you could actually get away with playing him in a tournament at that price if you're a believer. If you're a I'm not I'm not advocating for this, but I'm just saying like it seems like there's enough value elsewhere where you don't have to take on that risk. And if you want to, it could pay off for you in a tournament. I think the player you mentioned earlier, who I think is a great tournament running back, is Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Because I don't think he's game script dependent at all. I think he will still catch passes if they fall far behind. And if they take an early lead, he's probably a big part of the reason why. So there's a few ways that could go right. You know, seventy two hundred for a guy that could easily get twenty five touches this week. I'm pretty intrigued by Taylor. I don't know if it's because we have the Badger bias, but I actually think it, it's it's the way so. everybody else is going to be chasing the other backs in that range, right? Austin Eckler is going to be a lot more popular. All those 6K guys we talked about are going to be more popular. Joe Mixon's going to be even more popular, mm-hmm. I think, than Jonathan Taylor this week. So if you're looking for a, a somewhat high-priced running back that could be a great pivot for a tournament, I think Jonathan Taylor is that guy. If that's not the way to exclamation point this and get the hell out of here, I don't know what is. We're going to leave it here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for joining along with us on this episode. DVR and I are back on Sunday evening to take a look ahead to Week 3 waivers. The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast returns in full on Monday. Me, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley, looking back at Week 2, looking ahead to those Week 3 waivers as well. Thanks so much for joining us. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Michael Beller. Have a great weekend. Happy DFS, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.